0: Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the I Want to Party with Bob, Bob Bobcast. The song you were just hearing at the very beginning there, also playing gently in the background now while I'm speaking, is Bloodbath and Beyond, and that song is called I Hate You. That is off of 2008's g hotcore 7 Inch, Bloodbath and Beyond, that was a supergroup of sorts, with Davey from Tilt Wheel, Patty of Dillinger 4... Mikey of The Observers, and yes, Ben Snakepit of many different bands, many different hats, and many different ventures. So this episode's all about Ben Snakepit. This is the Ben Snakepit I Want to Party with Bob extravaganza. Yes, welcome. Welcome to you. Funny story about this Bloodbath and Beyond song that Ben told me about, pointed this out to me. This song is a cover of a song that was featured in the movie Star Trek IV The Voyage Home. Do you remember the punk guy with the uh, boombox on the bus from Star Trek Four? Oh yes, we had a leather jacket on, like orange mohawk. He was sitting right across from Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock. He was blasting a punk song out of this boombox, right? Captain Kirk asks the punk guy, Can you can you please turn that noise down? The punk dude flips him off, like, fuck you, Kirk. You know? Shatner, Kirk, whoever whatever your name. And that resulted in Mr. Spock giving the punk dude the Vulcan death grip or whatever it's called. I don't, you know, he grabs him, uh, go to sleep. And the dude, he knocked him unconscious. Spock knocked the punk guy unconscious. And the now slumbering mohawk guy's head, bam, hits the boombox, shuts out the music. So... (laughs) The entire bus erupts in applause, right? Yeah, getting to the point. Well, that song that the punk guy is playing on his boombox is called I Hate You. It was actually written by the fellow that played the part of the punk on the bus. Here we go. This is a really interesting story. This Bloodbath song is a cover song of the punk on the bus song from Star Trek IV. Okay, quick story about the punk on the bus guy, right? His name was Kirk Thatcher. At the time of the filming of the movie, he was Leonard Nimoy's personal assistant, okay? Prior to that movie, he was an employee of Industrial Light and Magic, and he did a few pretty good things. When he worked for ILM, he worked in the creature department, and he did some movies, work on some movies like E.T., Return of the Jedi, and Gremlins. Dude was also like a, a gnarly Trekkie, okay? He had like a poster up above his bed of Star Trek stuff when he was a little kid, on and on and on. In that movie, in Star Trek IV, he had several roles—not as an actor, but you know, performing various duties for that movie. Besides being Leonard Nimoy's assistant, yeah, he did like some Vulcan dialogue. He did a bunch of weird shit. Yeah, look him up, Kirk Thatcher, Star Trek IV. Pretty interesting story. Now, another interesting thing about this guy. He used to be kind of like a real punk rock dude, right? He Like, he really liked punk rock. When he heard about the role, you know, oh, we're going to have this punk guy on this bus that's going to cause trouble and play music and everybody's going to hate him. He's like, oh, do, I'll play that guy. I'll, I'll be him. I'll be the punk guy on the bus. Now, I guess Leonard Nimoy directed Star Trek IV, was in charge of the movie, right? This guy who was his assistant comes in and says, hey, I'll be the punk guy on the bus, it took Nimoy about a week to get back to him, and he finally said, okay, yeah, you can be the punk guy on the bus. So Thatcher shaved the sides of his head, dyed his hair orange, and buried a punk rock guy, put on like a leather jacket. The song, that I Hate you song, Thatcher wrote that and recorded the song with a friend on a little four track in the hallway of his apartment building, I guess, and the rest is history. There you go. What a great story. Thank you so much, Ben, for the tip. Now, uh... Here we go to the next phase of the podcast, as it typically goes. You know, I want to party with Bob. Party. yeah. Beer. What beer is wetting my whistle during the recording of this episode? Well, that beer would happen to be Plan 9 Ale House's Daywalker Dry Hopped with Cascade Hops. That's a 5.5% alcohol by volume American Amber Ale. Let's have a little sip of that there. This is a good beer. This is a good, good beer. All right. I really like it. Well, thanks, Plan 9, for the beer. I think you should probably go to Plan Nine Ale House in Escondido, California on New Year's Eve, do a little pre partying. I don't think they stay open till midnight. I'm not 100% on that. You can always go on their webpage and find out their hours for New Year's, which is www.plan9alehouse.com and find out, get down there, get some food, get some beer. Also, that is the last day, 1231 2019 is the last day of the I want to party with Bob special buy one food item get one food item of equal or lesser value for free first-time customers only only good for one person alcohol is excluded from that deal note that so get in there before New Year's Eve or by New Year's Eve I should say thank you very much Bob this is the last episode of 2019 and the 2010s in general yeah we're almost in the 2020s good Uh, Elections coming up. Fucking vote your ass off this year. Would you please, please vote? I know most of you that listen to this podcast, I kind of have an idea of which way you're going to vote. Please do it. Oh, do it. Please do. So, 2020 vote very important. Before we continue on with this last episode and get to kind of the subject at hand, which is Mr. Ben Snake Pit, I want to say a couple quick things. This episode was actually supposed to be about Mesa Verde National Park in Colorado and my fairly recent trip there. I mean, we went there in September. I have some ghost stories that I was working on, but it wasn't ready with Christmas, family stuff, just kind of being lazy, you know, figured out how to play Minecraft on my laptop and with the Nintendo Switch that Santa brought to my child. We can now play in the same world, and that's a challenge in and of itself. I didn't really have a lot of time to do research into Mesa Verde. I'm fairly far behind. Maybe this is a little bit of a subconscious thing. This Snake Pit interview for this podcast was recorded back in the middle of December. And ever since then, this podcast has kind of been burning a hole in my pocket, so to say, right? Ever since Ben and I sat down and talked a couple weeks ago, I've really been wanting to get this one out there because Ben's an awesome dude. I had a great time talking to him and a great time hanging out with him. I'm thinking I might have deliberately sabotaged the Mesa Verde episode that I was supposed to do in place of this one in order to get the Snake Pit episode out first, okay? Now, why? Ben is a very interesting guy to me. He really, he truly is. He's done a ton of super cool stuff from his comics to the bands he's been in and so much more. The talk I had with Ben and hanging out with him very fresh in my mind. And it was a really good time. I had a great time hanging out with him. And I also, the other thing, I really kind of wanted to end 2019, the first year of this podcast or first half year to get technical with a bang. I wanted to go out in style, right? I kind of thought, well, what better way to do it than to run this Ben Snake Pit interview? I think it's awesome. I hope you do too. Here's a lowdown on what how it went down when Ben and I talked, okay? We met at his new place in San Francisco on Sunday, the 15th of December. After we met Ben at his apartment, Ben took us out for food. That would be Maddie, Davey, and I of Shitwheel to Cancun, a restaurant right down the street from his house. I might sound a little slow in the interview because I I, uh, had a major burrito hangover at the time of the interview. A little bit more background on why I was in San Francisco in the first place to be able to talk to Ben. We were in San Francisco, Tilt Wheel was, in order to play at Ben's new book release, show, party, event, whatever, at Silver Sprocket and the Hate. Okay, Silver Sprocket also happens to be the publisher of Ben's new book, Dog Days of Snake Pit, as well as being like a storefront, comic book store, art gallery, and kind of a multi... There's kind of a lot going on at Silver Sprocket. It's a rad place. Highly recommend you go in there and check it out. They had a ton of great stuff. I read a bunch of comics um, that were, you know, on the shelves there while we were waiting to play. I'm sorry, Silver Sprocket, that I didn't uh, buy anything. But, yeah, I, I'm here I am recommending it for sure. And they put out Ben's book. It's super great. Yeah, check it out. I will put a link to them up on the website, to their store, to their operation. Super, super duper great. And that show was fucking incredible. It really was all of the bands were so, so goddamn good. Silent Era from the Bay Area, Tilt Wheel, a band called Sarcasm from Oakland, and finished off by Fleshies, who blew the just the blew the fucking doors off that place. They are so good. Uh, welcome to San Francisco, Ben. They were glad to have you. They threw you quite a party at the beginning of your tenure of living in San Francisco. May it go wonderfully for you. That's all I have to say. That was a hell of a show. So like I said, I will post a link to Silver Sprocket on the website and also all those bands that I just mentioned, Silent Era, Sarcasm, and Fleshies. If Fleshies even has anything on the internet, they're all old as shit. Well, they're the same age as me, which is old as shit. By the way, if they have anything on the internet at all, I will post a link to it. Great night, great bunch of bands, super duper fun. So speaking of bands... All the bands that are going to get played on this episode, they all do have one thing in common. They all feature Ben, Snakebit, in some respect. Now, Ben played guitar in Bloodbath and Beyond, bass in J Church, and he also played bass in Ghost Knife. Before we get to the interview itself with Ben, there will be a song by J Church called The Horror of Life. That was off of J Church's final full-length album of the same title. What's notable about that song, that record... That was Jay Church's final record as Lance Hahn, the singer and guitarist of Jay Church, very, very sadly passed away on October 21st, of 2007. That's a bummer, man. He was too young. He was 40 years old, I believe. Dude, that sucks, dude. It really does. It really does. Jay Church was rad. Super rad. They were so prolific. I mean, to say the least, they put out so much music, records, splits. On comps, whatever J Church did it. I mean, they were they toured like crazy. They're a phenomenal band. I'm sure if Lance was still alive today, they would still be at it. He that guy was a machine, a songwriting and music making machine, and an incredible person. So R.I.P. to Lance. Pass the jug around for him. He was a incredible guy, and it, Ben was the bass player for quite a while in J Church. Moving on, in the middle of the episode, we will also have a few words about. San Diego's finest record shop Red Brontosaurus Records yes indeed the last band of this episode Ghost Knife was another incredible band Ben was in with his fellow J Church alumni Chris Pfeffer on drums that dude fucking rips on drums also in Ghost Knife was Mike Weeby of Riverboat Gamblers on vocals and guitar Ben played bass like I said Chris Pfeffer on drums there you go That was kind of another sort of super group in a way, wouldn't you say? Yeah, those are some solid dudes in that band for sure. Ghost Knife is so good. Ghost Knife is fantastic. They're going to come in with the last song on this episode at the very, very end, and that song is called I Know I Know off of 2014's Garrett Guarantee. That's how I'm going to say it. That was a 7-inch by Ghost Knife. So let me just say right now a few quick words about Ben snake pit. I first met Ben. Back in the mid-1990s, I think around ninety-six-ish, ninety-seven, Ben was playing in a band called Whirly Bird from Richmond, Virginia. Tilt Wheel played a show with Whirly Bird on a Bird did a nationwide tour, and we played with them at The Velvet in San Diego. Ben and the rest of the band stayed at my house that night, which you'll I think you'll hear in the interview how that kind of went down, which is interesting. From there, The next time I met up with Ben that I can remember, I was living with Davey in Escondido and the band Bloodbath came out to our house. It was actually Davey's parents' house in Escondido, this huge house. I rented a room. Davey lived downstairs. He had this huge, like, giant downstairs area, and he had it all set up to record down there. So the guys in Bloodbath, which, again, was uh, Patty from D4, Ben, and Mikey from The Observers, all came out or flew out. Came to our house and recorded, I believe, their first seven inch. I didn't get verification on that. I should have probably. That was the next time I saw Ben. I got to hear him play, and you know, we hung out a little bit, not too much. I'm sure I probably have met Ben a few times other than that through the years here and there, but those are really the two main times that come to mind that I can remember. I have to say this I'm really mostly familiar with Ben from his comics in Razor Cake and where I've seen them elsewhere. Did you know Ben writes and draws a comic every single day, 365 days a year? Did you? That's insane. I don't mean insane like, uh, oh, Ben's fucking crazy. He writes, like, how do you? No, no, I think it's insane. Like, that's super duper cool. Like, it's really, really, really cool. It's intense. But yeah, it's super rad. What was sitting in front of me a few minutes ago was Ben's new book, Dog Days of Snake Pit, which you should buy. There will be links on the website, by the way. Definitely buy it. It's rad. I have read it cover to cover since I got my copy from Ben. I think that's how I got to know Ben was through his comics more than anything else. That's how I think a lot of people know Ben that have never met the guy at all. Because in his comics, he does, from time to time, really open himself up and lay himself bare For everyone to see. Sometimes his comics are pretty mundane, like I went to work today, I came home, I hung out with my wife, I went to bed, the end. Sometimes his comics are very, very heavy, okay? His beloved dog, Peebers, died. He documented the events around Peebers' death in his comics. Let me tell you, that was a hard couple of panels to read of his comics. I have been in that position before myself with my dog, Pumpkin, yet that comic that had Peebers' final moments with Ben and Peebers in Ben's arms, that was hard, man. It really was. I mean, I it, it hit close to home. It was very relatable. And what really got me, though, what really got me about that was his next comic strip the day after Peebers passed away or were just these words, I don't fucking feel like drawing today. Oh boy. Do you understand? I I think, I hope you understand what I'm trying to convey here is that if you just know Ben through his comics, I think you get a pretty good sense of who Ben is, of his simplicity and his just pure, simple humanity. Okay. Who Ben Snake Pit really is. He is a dude. He's a human dude with human emotions that he does manage to convey very, very well through his comics. I think if you look at, Ben's accomplishment of all the bands he's been in, the books he's put out, you know, the tours, the record. You might look at Ben Snakebent and go, well, that guy, he's gnarly, right? Like he's done a lot of great stuff. That guy, he is kind of a big deal. The thing with Ben is he's very well known, but he is also very well loved and liked. I mean, however you want to say it. And I think the reason is this, not only is he a super nice guy, at his core, Ben Snake Pit is just a really, really incredible human being who has a very, very good way of recording his life, broadcasting it in comic form, and everybody sees it and kind of relates to that. So that's where Ben shines to me is in his comics and just that simple, I'm alive, I'm doing my thing, this is what I experience type of comic, type of art form, more or less that's where Ben shines. I really do. I think that that kind of shows us all life is beautiful. It really is the small things, the big things, the sad things. It's wonderful in its own horrible, sometimes very horrible way, sometimes very simple way, sometimes extremely lovely, beautiful and wonderful way. So there you go. It's simple. I think Ben Snakebit is a rad dude, hence this podcast. So let's get to it. Okay. I have talked enough. Boy, I do have a tendency to fucking ramble on, don't I? Well, that's what I get paid to do. Or not paid to do, actually, in this case. Not paid to do is the key there. You know what? It's fun. And guess what? I got to hang out with Ben, have a great talk with him. Here it comes. But first, the J Church song, The Horror of Life. Here it is. Let's get your origin story, Ben. What is the origin of the Snake Pit name? Uh, So the Snake Pit was a punk house in Richmond,
1: Virginia that I lived in. And uh, at the time, I kind of got this idea to do this comic, like a daily journal kind of comic. And at first, it was going to be more like the adventures of all the roommates in the house going through, you know, like, you know, it's going to be multiple characters and it's going to be funny and wacky. And within like a week or so, we got evicted from there. So it turned into a just a personal thing about me
0: oh gotcha okay but okay.
1: uh yeah just the name's cool the name
0: the name so the name was from a house that yeah you yeah lived it was the richmond. name of the house okay. yes so you got the name and then like a week later you all got kicked out and you didn't live there anymore yeah, kind yeah of pretty thing? much okay yeah. good <laughs> <laughs> okay that's a pretty good one so you're from richmond virginia originally yes were you born and raised there uh yeah i was born in chester which is like uh maybe
1: 20 minutes south of richmond and suburbs but okay. yeah okay. yeah I basically grew up okay. in the in the richmond metro area
0: Gotcha. Now, what? How old were you when you moved away from Richmond?
1: Uh, I think I was twenty-five. Where did you move from? Richmond. I moved to Austin. To Austin. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, it was actually uh, it, living in that house of the Snake Pit. Uh, I I was also working at Tower Records. And what year was that? When this you was at Tower ninety-nine. Records? No, it was, it was two thousand. It was in October of two thousand.
0: And there was still a Tower Records around. That, yes. That, yes. Okay.
1: And so, what happened is I was uh was working at Tower. I got fired.
0: and uh, You and did was, a comic about that. I yeah, did yeah, too. yeah, yeah. So it was I've, that I've morning. That,
1: I, I got fired. I went home, and all my roommates are sitting in the living room. I'm like, guys, I just got fired. And like, oh, yeah, well, here's an eviction notice, too. So fired <laughs> and evicted on the same day. <laughs> How great. And so I was like, well, I, I, I will take that as a sign. You know, I had nothing else holding me down. I didn't have a band or a girlfriend or anything. So I was like, ah, fuck it. You know, I'll uh, see what Austin's all about. I had a friend that lived out there. Got a greyhound ticket. Went and stayed on his couch. And uh, okay,
0: so I you just, had an offer to like stay at his house yeah, or whatever. And like then that. I okay. just kind of never went back. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. So you were. How long were you in Austin for then? Like eighteen years or so. Uh, Nineteen years. Nineteen yeah, I years. Yeah, moved there in two
1: thousand wow. and uh, just moved away a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: That's the next question is uh, since so you, Richmond. Austin slash Manor, mm. the Manor was kind of last phase Ma- it, of it's Manor. May- oh, pardon me. Oh, Manor, <laughs> Manor, Texas. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Okay, <laughs> now, okay, easy uh, mistake to make. It is, it is. <laughs> and now San Francisco. So, yeah, how how many times you've been at uh, San Francisco many times in your life though? From being on tour with bands and et cetera, et cetera. Yes. No culture shock really, as far as uh what the city itself is like. Like right you know this kind of more bigger mishmash of people kind of kind of thing did you get culture shock from the price of let's say housing or any kind of product like is beer more expensive i think it seems to be in a lot of places a little than it bit,
1: can be. but you know so i was i was really braced for it everyone had warned me like oh it's so expensive
0: but you did I'm, your research knew what you were getting into yeah yeah i, knew what you what I was getting into but here, what
1: yeah. i found is that it's really not that much more expensive than austin is like Gotcha. You know, Austin right. is also one of those towns that everyone's, you know, compl- oh, it's so expensive there. And it's, like, yeah, it's I mean, it's not as bad as it is here, but it's still, you know, I I, I was expecting it to be a lot worse. It's not it's, it's not, not as bad. bad. It's
0: kind of maybe as bad as everybody says. Yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. it's it's tolerable. What What's the biggest, say, shocking change thing living in San Francisco compared to. Uh, Mainer. Well, Well, Mainer's out in the country, too, right? Yeah, yeah. So I
1: don't know if it would be a shocking change so much as a delightful change. Okay, good. (laughs) Delightful
0: uh, changes are great. Yeah, so
1: out in Mainer, you know, we were 20 miles from anything. So you had to drive. You didn't even have a Taco Bell in Manor, right? Uh, we have a Taco Bell. Oh, you was, did. Oh, but it okay. was nine miles from my house. Oh, good lord! Yeah, like my house was even kind of in the suburbs of Manor. It wasn't even really in the town. Wow. So I had to drive at least twenty minutes to get to anything. To a grocery store, yeah, to like yeah. anything whatsoever, Absolute a gas anything. station. Yes, like. yes. There was nothing walkable in my in my neighborhood at all.
0: Wow. Nothing. And here. The world is literally at, at your fingertips. Yes, it's I mean, crazy. you walk there's, out your front door and there's almost anything you want right within walking distance. Yeah, there,
1: there are th- at least three restaurants that I can sit in and still be on my home Wi Fi network. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, um, pretty awesome. What's
0: your favorite place been to eat here since you moved here? Uh, would you
1: say? So, like uh, Honestly, like Cancun. Oh, you we just uh, the went there. Yes. Yeah, it's.
0: It's, we'll get to that later. Yeah, a it's
1: a bit. you know classic like mission style burrito, and yeah. I, I was familiar with it before I even came here. But yeah, it's it's nice to be able to go anytime I want.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Cancun is probably that's your top. that you'd say that's so your far, top place I mean, so far. So in so I mean, a couple so weeks, weeks, yes, you, know, so you got some give time. It time.
1: But as of now, yes.
0: <laughs> okay, gotcha. Let's talk a little bit about Whirlybird. <laughs> okay, <laughs> bird <Whirlybird> was from <laughs> Richmond. Uh, <laughs> is that yes, right? Yes. Uh, what. How long had you guys been a band before you went on your first tour?
1: Uh we got together we met in college when we were freshman year that was 92 um so we started playing I think we did our first couple shows in like the end of 93 and started actually touring uh we did we did one like tour of the south in late 93 and then 94 is like our first US tour I think that's when we met you guys When you came out you yeah. came all the
0: way out to San Diego yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so how old were you guys in? In like early twenties, I was, 20s, kind I was of? nineteen
1: or twenty. You yeah. were so
0: you weren't even legal to be in because we played in yeah. a bar. We played a bar called Velvet. Yeah. Uh-huh. You weren't even supposed to be in there. Probably right? not. Probably not.
1: not. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was a little ass kid back then.
0: <laughs> I even I actually remember that show. Like, yeah, that was uh, yeah, like ninety four, ninety five, or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you guys go, stay at Davy's house after you played that show?
1: I think so. What What I remember was. We slept in the living room. I remember waking up and being able to see the ocean. Like, no,
0: you the- slept at my house. Okay, then I was at your house. You did.
1: You stayed at our house. I just remember, like, oh yeah. seeing the ocean and being like, wow, this is really cool. Yeah, you, know, like, you stayed at our.
0: Hu- I and mean, Davey probably stayed the night that night too, because he would stay there. Like we wouldn't. I don't think Davey drove then. Uh-huh. So, we, no. yeah, no, you didn't. So we would, <laughs> du- you know, like I I'd pick him up on my way home from work because I worked where he lived. And then take them out to my house or we go to a show or whatever, you know, and then take them home the next morning. So, yeah. So you stayed with me. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> now, okay. Can you tell me how many bands you have been in over the oh, years?
1: No, Is, I could not. I tried to make a list one time. There's a list on, like, Facebook somewhere, and it was in the 30s or 40s it's in that big of a range really and that was
0: you're very very prolific well none of them were any good
1: (laughs) (laughs) but i mean you know the rule was like it had to be a band that at least played one show okay
0: to make it like a a band i was in this band if you counted like every time
1: i got together and jammed with somebody that would be you know like in the hundreds hundreds. sure 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 but uh yeah i was i would would say high 30s 38 or something like
0: wow man that's a lot and how long have you been playing an instrument Guitar um, or bass, right? That's your thing. Since I was about bass.
1: fourteen, I think I got my no first kidding. guitar
0: when I was thirteen or
1: fourteen. How anyway. old are you now? I'm forty
0: five. Oh, you're forty five. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, you're still a kid. All right, yeah. <laughs> you are. You are a child. Yep. I just That's turned very fifty, kind so yeah. He's about to hit fifty one here in a couple months, <laughs> so yeah. All right. Um, notable bands for me that I know of for sure. Yeah. Bloodbath and Beyond. Yep. Yep. J Church. Mm-hmm. Shanghai River.
1: Oh, okay. Shanghai That's notable, River. I guess. <laughs> and I
0: was told that I needed to ask you about a band called Party Garbage. Oh, yeah, yeah. Talk to me about Party Garbage. Uh, Party, was Party Garbage, Garbage
1: is a band I played drums in. Okay. And um, oh, We're going to
0: talk about another band you played drums in here in a minute. Yeah, too, yeah.
1: So, okay. so, well, Party Garbage is a band I played drums in, and I'd never really considered myself a drummer so much as just a guy with a drum set. <laughs> Okay. Oh, so you you, know? own, you had your own drum set? Well memory? it was very it was a, a kick drum and a snare drum and a cymbal and a hi hat. That was it. Oh, okay. Very uh, minimalist. Yeah, okay. yeah, because it was easy to you could just throw everything inside the kick drum and it was only one thing to carry. That's all you had to And okay. I've always kind of believed at least when you're as rudimentary a player as I am, like any any time spent not hitting the snare drum is wasted time. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: makes sense. Okay. Yeah, so, I'm with, you. Uh, I'm you, with know, you. I
1: just try to keep it real simple and but yeah, Party Garbage was a really fun band. Um it was uh we were in Austin and uh, we, kind of just goofy kind of party rock or something okay. I don't know what else you would call it like kind
0: of upbeat rock and rollish kind of stuff? a little
1: bit a little poppy like we were uh, we claimed that we were very Husker Du influenced okay but okay I don't know if that but sounds like came, maybe more of I a like a Shonen through. Knife influence yeah or something. there you go okay there you go. okay yeah, good yeah. good 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 but it was a lot of fun we we toured a lot um and we were. We toured super punk style. Like we would tour in a car.
0: Okay, you know? gotcha. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. Gotcha. We did gotcha. have we
1: did have a van. We bought we bought a van for I think six hundred dollars off of Craigslist. It was an old Ford Aerostar.
0: Now what, what year was this that this you did was party garbage? Two
1: thousand six, maybe? Two thousand Oh, so that wasn't terribly long. I mean no, that was, it wasn't too long. That was
0: after Bloodbath. Your time with Bloodbath and Beyond was because yeah, that was like early two thousand, around the same right? time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, it
1: was after, right after J Church. Right after J Church. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And
1: um, yeah, we, we toured the Midwest a, a lot of times, just up and down to Chicago and back. Like you did a quite. A bunch I had, time. had no
0: idea you actually did a bunch of stuff with yeah, these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, were they guys from other bands too? Kind um, of thing that you knew or.
1: The bass player Ryan is now in a band called Total Abuse that a lot of people might know. They're like a hardcore band. Okay. Um, the other guys like uh, Drew. He's he's lives in Milwaukee now, and I know he's doing something there, but I don't know what it's called. I'm sorry, Drew. And uh, and Lou, my friend he, Lou, is a singer. He's still in Austin. He just started a new band called Bow Waves. That are hmm. they just played their second show like this weekend, I think.
0: Cool. Cool. Um,
1: yeah, we also did a UK tour. We put out three seven inches, and. Maybe I think we had a song on a comp or two, something like that. But yeah, awesome. We, we cool. did a little bit. You guys yeah, did yeah. some stuff then. Mm-hmm. okay? Yeah, yeah, it was fun. All right,
0: fun. cool. What was the deal with Shanghai River? You have to refresh my memory about um, Shanghai River.
1: Shanghai River was a much better idea on paper than in, okay. in reality. <laughs> it was uh, – so J Church, J Church was done, and what I was trying to do was like, you know, I want to get serious, do a real serious band, you know. I'm gonna put a lot, put all my work into it, work as hard as I can on it and do the best I can with this. And I'm gonna use all of the things that I learned in J Church. You know, like like, you know, things that Lance had taught me about how to you know, some things about how to write songs, some just you know, how to book shows, how to do you know, all the all the things that I had learned from my years in J Church, I was trying to apply to Shanghai River. Gotcha, gotcha. But kind what? of
0: like all this is like your yeah, your was idea, your my project or Yeah, I was, yeah, I you was to the Lance of this band, band. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um,
1: and the thing I mainly learned is if you can't write a good song, it doesn't matter how many <laughs>
0: skills you have.
1: <laughs> so yeah, we uh, we we recorded an LP and we did one tour and then just kind of disintegrated. Nothing really happened
0: after that. You did want like a full US tour? Uh, kind of we thing.
1: just did the West Coast. We did we did come to uh, San Diego and uh, I can't remember.
0: It was like late two
1: thousands, maybe. Uh, this was twenty ten. 2010. Oh, 2010. Yeah, okay, cool. Okay, I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I remember we stayed at Davy's house, but I don't remember where we played in San Diego. But
0: did you play with Tilt Wheel? Because I don't think twenty ten. I wasn't in Tilt Wheel. I don't then, think we played yet. with Tilt Wheel, but I can't remember. Was Davy embarrassed to play with Shanghai River? Do you think? Uh, I don't. I don't think I, he, I don't, he would be. I don't think so. We so could let's ask wake him, is, him up he's and sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> or were there any other bands that you've been in that really stand out in your mind? I mean, other than J church, I mean, that was a big one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That you spent what, five years with, in yeah, church, I was in right? J church
1: for five years when Lance moved to Texas, he started the band up, uh, you know, with a, a Texas lineup and I was the bass player for You that. were the initial, the first guy. In yeah. The yeah. Texas he and I worked J at church. the same record store and that was how we met or, you know, and, uh, you knew of Jay,
0: did you know you knew of J Church oh, yeah, before a, then yeah I'd, for sure I'd,
1: right like one of the first seven inches I ever bought was the Cringer Holy Roller split oh no kid right because yeah, Lance was, was in Cringer too yeah right? yeah okay. and I was okay. I've been a fan of his for you know, since I was a little kid sure and sure. so getting to meet him was like awesome and everything and then uh, so I was working at Sound Exchange in Austin and Lance had moved there and we'd see him come in once in a while I'm like oh that's the guy from J Church oh wow you know I get really excited and then uh, then he got hired and I'm like oh wow I get to work with the guy from J Church you know and so over time we became pretty good friends and then he decided he was going to start the band up and it, he never even really asked me to join he just was like um okay we're gonna have band practice on tuesday are you coming and i'm like yeah okay I'm, And it was just sort of just, I'm, I'm in the band yeah exactly I'm he just kind, kind of like okay. told me to show up and I'm like, okay so it was it was oh, very great. <laughs> very easy to get into the band yeah. it was great yeah and uh, that was a life-changing thing, you know, toured the world, got to put out yeah, bunches Japan, of records. Japan, Europe, I, yeah. you were all over the place it with was, them, right?
0: It was really, really awesome, yeah. Now, did, did both you guys, both you and Lance, work at the record store the entire time you were in G-G-G, No, the much?
1: store closed down. Uh, the store went out of business in 2002. No, the end of 2001, I think. So it wasn't very, it didn't last very long at oh, that gotcha, time. Gotcha. And what was funny was he went to go work at a video store like an independent video store and then i went to work at the rival independent video store oh wow and so between the two of us we had every video in in town like on lock (laughs) that was pretty cool
0: and they're both like mom and pop like yeah 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 Uh exactly and they
1: like rivals to the point where um you know at the alamo draft house which was started in austin yeah they would have every year they would have a uh, movie trivia contest between the staves of our two video stores, like you know, it was like a, an event that they had. Was, oh wow, it was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, when uh, what year did uh, J Church all end? What year did that end? Uh,
1: that would be two. Well, Lance passed away in oh seven, but I think we were kind of done by oh six. Oh, so it was done. Yeah, because he was he was sick for, for a good while, you know, oh, before gotcha. before sure, he passed. Sure. But um, I think we were finished. Like we did our last tour, I think, in two thousand six. Was that just a
0: U.S. tour? Uh, yeah, thing? it was just West Coast. We West went up Coast. to up to uh, Seattle and back. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so, th- tell me a little bit about you went on tour with the Soviets, and you actually ended up becoming a member of the Soviets. Briefly, <laughs> yes. we were talking about that a little earlier. So
1: that was a a very interesting, uh, a very interesting summer. <laughs> I uh, I had gone to Portland to go to a Zine Fest, and I was staying with a friend or whatever. And the Soviets happened to come through town and I went to their show that night and we're just hanging out talking. And I had met them before when uh, Jay Church had played with them in Minneapolis on tour. Gotcha. And we're talking, shooting the shit. And they're like, hey, you want to like ride with us down the coast? I'm like, sure, that sounds fun, you know. So rode down the coast with them. Um, Can't remember where I got off. Like maybe maybe L.A. or something. I, I honestly don't remember. Did a little bit more traveling and then randomly met back up with them in chicago i think either way it doesn't matter were you kind
0: of traveling around i was traveling around
1: kind of riding with other bands just kind of you know i was just kind of dicking around the country yeah yeah okay i had just sold a record collection so i had a lot of money and didn't have a job or anything so i just kind of farting around the country it was really fun Cool, cool um but anyway so at one point i jumped on again with the soviets on the same tour and we get three or four days in and uh and Danny, the drummer, had, you know, some personal problems and he had to leave the tour. Gotcha. And they were like, um, hey, Ben, can you play drums? And I was like, sure, of course. Like,
0: let so me tell yeah, you about I my drum set that I absolutely <laughs>
1: could not play drums. But, you know, I, fuck it, I'll give it a shot, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just played it as straight as I could, you know, no fills, no nothing. And uh, I learned six songs. And like, I remember, like, you know, we we practiced one time. It was in Baltimore. We practiced. And uh, we did this one practice, and and I remember we, we start the song, and Susan's like, "This is this is too slow," and I'm like, sorry, hear, so <laughs> right. this is what you get, man. This is what you are going to get." Yeah, yeah, I'm the I'm the Dollar Tree drummer <laughs> you got here, so <laughs> you're just gonna have to deal with it. Um, but you know, I, I got more and more comfortable over the course of the tour, and then by the end of it, the last show was in Minneapolis, and it was actually this like gigantic like music fest. It was kind of crazy, and they had this giant you know, like Tommy Lee drum set with dozens of drums and cymbals like and everything. Like double bass. Panel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it was, and oh, it was up a whole this... set up with cymbals uh-huh, and everything. Yeah, like, yeah. Just ready to go. Yeah, and it was wow. this huge, on this giant stage in front of thousands of people. Like, to this day, the biggest show I've ever played. Was it like a,
0: the state fair? It was or something, something or... like
1: it was a, a, a block party or oh, something. Okay. I don't know okay. exactly. But, you know, they were like, okay, well, Ben, you do your songs with us and then Danny will come up and play the rest of the set. I'm like, all right. And I just figured, I'm going to fucking go for it, man. And I just decided I was going to hit every drum and every cymbal as many times as I could. Fuck the beat. Fuck the song. I'm just going for it. I'm never going to do this again. And uh, yeah, it was a total train wreck, but
0: it was a lot of fun. I don't <laughs> okay. regret it. Are you still, now? Are you still friends with the Soviets? Yes, after yes, that? I am. Okay, good. Okay, they're and, very kind and nice yes, people. Yes, yeah. So, you know, okay. they
1: understood. They understood that you know I was just. You had
0: to use the tools that were put in I laid in front of you. The seizing yes. the day, Carpe diem, man. Carpeing Carpe the diem, yes indeed. <laughs> another another uh, question I was told to ask you about. Uh, we got to go back to Shanghai River. Okay. And the best song ever written, apparently, is a song Shanghai River did called "The Rules."
1: Ah, yes. What
0: yes. is the song "The Rules" all okay, about? Okay, um, you know the
1: song "Straight Edge" by Minor Threat. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know those. I, are, I live my life by those. <laughs> so you know those are the rules of straight edge, <laughs> right? You know, like what are the rules of straight edge? You don't don't smoke. You don't, don't smoke, drink. drink. Don't fuck. You're supposed to not fuck. You're not. But nobody to. F- nobody pays attention to that one. Right, right. But anyway, and I was just like, I was like, everyone, you know, and Ian McKay is always like, oh, those are supposed to be rules, you know. He, but but everyone takes it as that, and I was like, hey, "Fuck it, you know what? Somebody needs to write the rules of, of punk. I'm going to do it. I'm and you know, fuck it. I'm like just going to do it.
0: A, like a Bible for thing exactly versus for punk. Okay, so it I needs was, to be put in. It's like yeah. the Ten Commandments of punk. Thing, right, anyway. right. Okay. So okay. I just
1: wrote, you know, I wrote out like it's very tongue in cheek. You know, it's it's I'm kidding, but. I just, you know, it was like, you know, if you bought it at Walmart, that's not punk. If you hired a lawyer, <laughs> that's not punk. If you had to sign a contract, that's not punk. You know, just things like that. And that's the lyrics of the song. Just it's just a list of things that, that are not punk. punk. Okay. Yes. And then the chorus is like, it's not punk to follow the rules. So it's like, that's kind of people never get to the never course gets, and they never understand yeah, like, like, who's you're... this guy. I think he is, you know, like, then, well, listen to the course and there's your answer. Exactly. You know? exactly. Don't pay attention to a word. I just, said, right. right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's it, People got really pissed. I thought Did they was, get, people legitimately people were got super upset about pissed that? off. Like, who are you? Who gives you the authority? Who's this ben Snake Pit guy that yeah. thinks he can tell us like, how to be punk. I'm like, punk I, is about
0: being an individual. Yeah, I'm you like,
1: know? I'm just, de- I'm doing it myself. Like, <laughs> I,
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I gotta find that. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'll give you a copy of the record before you go. I got, oh, I have a
1: whole closet full. Oh, of – Oh, you do? Photos. I'll take it. I oh, got absolutely. Of copies, okay, yeah. those
0: lyrics are getting read. By the way, this is a side note, they will get read in like the outro of this podcast. Oh, okay. awesome. I will definitely read them cover to cover. <laughs> and you guys better start paying attention because that's how this <laughs> podcast is going to go from now on. I didn't buy any of this shit at Walmart, by the way. Yeah. So. All right. <laughs> okay. So um, next question Star Wars versus Star Trek. Star Trek. I, that but, was not a wor- Okay. That wasn't a yes or no question or a take this over this. Wait, wait. I wasn't done yet. Oh, okay. Hold on, okay. Hold on. Okay. Do you. <laughs> Do you do you like Star Wars at all? It's okay, yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. You vastly prefer Star Trek. Absolutely, though. yes. I think we talked about this one time online because we had like a weird altercation online one time <laughs> where you thought I was being like a smart ass uh-huh. and I said something to you and you're like don't take it so seriously. Like, and I was like, dude, I'm not. I'm sorry. But sarcasm doesn't translate well online or right. whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know why I remember that because that was literally like nine years ago or yeah, something. Yeah. Right. But I kind of go. <laughs> at, honestly, I wanted to tell you, and I always meant to tell you this mm-hmm. is. But when you said that, I did actually take Star Wars very fucking seriously. Yeah. And I that made me like look in the mirror and go you're a fucking idiot like this shit is all pretend don't take (laughs) any of this seriously so from then on i kind of went yeah (laughs) fuck, i don't care really so why do you why do you think why does star trek appeal to you more than star wars and i think we might have talked about this well first let's back up here okay okay yes they are two different things completely two different star
1: wars is space fantasy yes yes star trek is science fiction there, there you go. They're completely different. Two things, different things, you know? yes. Okay. Star
0: Trek deals
1: with human beings from the planet Earth, like in a, a year that you can actually like measure from our from year. From our year you know? to that year, correct. Exactly. Yes. This is the future, you yes. know, of humans from planet Earth. Star Wars is a long time ago in a galaxy, galaxy far, far, away. far away. It's yeah. you know, it's yeah, yeah. totally different.
0: Complete fantasy. Yeah, like exactly. obviously. And Star Trek is something that could actually potentially happen, right in, right. in a sense. and
1: and one of the things I love about Star Trek and science fiction in general is that the idea of like you come up with this wild idea and then you try to justify it. you try to figure out how lodge you know, like uh, in how physically it could work. You could, you know that's like uh, like the transporter where you beam down to the planet or whatever that was invented because Gene Roddenberry didn't have the budget to film a small starship landing on a planet they were like it was just a no, budget really yeah, is that why budgetary I had no constraint idea. but then they came up with this whole oh well, we're going to like you know dematerialize you and rematerialize, and That's it, it, fun that's really cool that oh, somebody no, that's thought that up oh no that's ten
0: times better than using and, like a landing craft or right, something exactly, like that right exactly
1: exactly yeah? and and you know things like the holodeck and stuff like that. They were just like, well, you know, CBS doesn't have the budget for this, but we can use this old cowboy set. You know, so we'll just make the holodeck where it's, you know, that's the cowboy world. Oh, and, and so save some don't money. Have an episode exactly. like, oh yeah, all the Star Trek exactly. guys
0: are in this cowboy land, you know, or whatever. This imaginary yeah. the holodecks like where you go for entertainment, basically, where you are more or less like a almost like a like a LARPing thing, and it's in a way where you're like. Taking part in a role, interacting with are they are they like robots that are on the holodeck or uh, it's all like holograms? They're holograms, but, yeah, yeah. Um, d- how does that? Because you can actually get hurt on the holodeck though, only if hol- you disable the safety protocols. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there have been episodes about that. Oh yeah, I know. yeah. I do. I actually do. Love the Star thing.
1: Trek. The holodeck has like gone wrong so many times. Like, why it's did like, they not just take d- them off of the? Take them off the spaceship. Hire new programmers to actually make it work. Like how how many times has a holodeck almost like destroyed humanity or (laughs) crashed the ship or like just just turn it the fuck off? It doesn't work.
0: You know. Now I I had one question regarding Star Trek that I was. This is another one. Um, An anonymous source told me to ask you this question. Okay. Do you speak fluent Klingon? Not fluent Klingon. No. But I do, Do
1: speak some Klingon? A little bit. Do
0: you really? Uh, I,
1: I I couldn't tell you a sentence. I can say like which so means well, okay. What su- does that mean? That I means success. Success. It also means like yeah. It's sort of the aloha of Klingon. Gotcha, gotcha. So yeah. multiple meanings, right. seem like two. Okay, right. gotcha, gotcha. But I do have a really good story about my my limited knowledge of Klingon. Well, go for it. Yeah, let's hear. Okay, it so uh, I was in the seventh grade, and my dad had taken me to a Star Trek convention, and I entered the trivia contest. The uh, question that I won, that I that I got correct, and won the contest was what is the Klingon word for heaven, which is QE2?
0: How did you know? It's in Star
1: Trek five. They just mentioned it. It's stupid. It's just a thing I remembered. Gotcha. gotcha, But, uh, you know, I, and so they're like, come on up and get your prize, you know, and I come up and they hand me a Klingon dictionary and I'm like, obviously I don't need this. And and, you know, every, all the nerds laugh and I was the baddest motherfucking seventh grader at the entire Star Trek convention.
0: Uh, Yes, you were. (laughs) Look at that book with disdain. Like, You think I actually need this? He should have started just spouting Klingon yeah. at him, like whatever, it, mother insults, whatever <laughs> right, you had right, right. in your repertoire. <laughs> so, what are some some things you can't say in Klingon? So you can say the successing. What's? Give me another example. You can't do a whole sentence, oh, but shit, no, I can't. Um, insults? Do we? Can we uh, get an pata- insult? Patach. On? patach. Patach.
1: Patach would be like a racist term for a
0: human. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's a Klingon's way of like a racial slur towards yes. humans. Okay, yes, okay. Because yes. they consider humans like. Beneath, like just like insects, mm-hmm. or, yeah, or just like lower life you're forms, a filthy or whatever. Baton. Okay, <laughs> with no honor. <laughs> now, what episode did that come from?
1: Uh, that's that's in a lot of them. That's a like, it is
0: that's a pretty pretty common like, common. Com- oh, not episode. That's from like board. movies and, yeah, and the yeah. show as mm-hmm. well. From okay, gotcha. Yeah. What's your favorite out of all the the varying? You know, you have Deep Space Nine. You have. Uh, next generation, mm-hmm. the original series movies. Yeah. Do you have one favorite kind of realm of Star uh, Trek? My favorite series is Voyager, for sure. Voyager, okay. Yeah, um, I think it's very
1: underrated. It's got some of the best writing and some of the like deepest concepts. Who was um, the? Was that the Scott Bakula? No, no, no. that one was
0: Enterprise. That's the one Enterprise, I'm, okay. okay. I'm, the,
1: uh, Voyager is the one with uh, Captain Janeway. Janeway, that's yeah, it. I mean, oh, okay, yeah. okay,
0: and that was the last because it went like, uh, but it went, oh next generation Deep Space Nine. Then Voyager, right, yes, of yes. that whole run, and then Voyager is where it stopped for right. a while. Right, and so actually this
1: new Picard series that's about to start yeah. is the first thing in the whole Star Trek universe that's actually going to take place after Voyager. Oh. Like, they have stopped, like, that was what, like, 98 or yeah, something? Yeah, it was like late 90s, And, right. like, they have not progressed forward in that timeline since then, so I'm really excited for the Picard show. Enterprise goes back to, like,
0: the very yeah. first captain mm-hmm. of the Starship Enterprise, yeah, yeah. right? Okay.
1: And then uh, they did all those stupid remakes in the Kelvin universe that are
0: just like Captain Kirk and Spock that are like, you know. The, yeah, with. Um, yeah, um, I oh hate God, that shit. What's his, what's his name? The guy that did the first or did the Chris, Force Awakens. Chris Pine and, or, Yeah, the Chris Pine. Oh, yeah, J.J. Abrams yeah J.J. Abrams did all that. Yeah, I'm not I, a big fan I like of the first one, but the second one? And Oh, no. Yeah, it's all and garbage. Then, yeah. It's all garbage. You don't like any of those movies? No, no, okay, no. Okay, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I I did like the first one, but the second one, and I think did not they do did he do three or two of those? They've
1: series? done three, and there's talks of a fourth one, but they keep dropping the ball, well, and picking ball. it back up, and they, yeah, I hope they don't. It. I hope they just like what I'm hoping is that these new CBS like because the new uh, Discovery, which is a new the the new CBS series. And that takes place between the original series and Next Generation. Oh, okay. um, that's I, interesting. I actually. liked that a lot. I watched the first season, really liked. It. I haven't seen the second season yet, but really, really liked that show a lot. And I'm hoping that that and the new Picard show, and they're they're also start. Uh, they're going to do a Lower Decks show, which I think is going to be animated. Oh, I could okay. be wrong about that, but um, Lower Decks was a, was an, was an episode of um, Next Generation. That is one of my favorite Star Trek episodes of all time. It's one that makes me cry every time I watch really? it. Really? Why now why? So why does good. it make you why does it it's just <clears throat> so what it, it takes place on the Enterprise, but it's not like it, Captain Picard's not in it at all, you know? And like it's just like these underlings that like work in the kitchen or whatever. And it's it's okay. it's a, some okay. drama going on between them. And it's just it's really cool to see, you know, what's going on in the lower decks. Like the workings of the yeah, ship, yeah. the actual like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh and like somebody dies in the episode or something it's very sad it's really good and moving and it's such a Inch? great episode oh, huh. but and i'd love the idea that they're going to do a whole series of lower decks characters you oh know? that's so, great yeah i'm really yeah, excited yeah. about that yeah
0: that's shift the focus almost of the entire thing but i mean that's kind of well i think you know nowadays you're seeing a lot of that with like shows about chefs and movies about like chefs and right yeah, yeah and yeah. all these and people that are really like like the foundation of our society that keep everything kind of moving along. Yeah, there's yeah. been like kind of a shift in focus to people like them. Right. Rather than like these asshole CEOs. Well, there's <laughs> always a shift. You yeah. always show those But assholes, it's the people you know. doing but the grunt work. Yeah. Right. It's like and the... that's cool. No, that's, I have to look at that, man. That yeah. sounds really good, actually. So. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys really screwed up this year at Christmas. I'm pissed off. There were no records from Red Bronosaurus Records under my Christmas tree this year. Well, here's a chance at redemption for you. Right now, Red Bronosaurus has a bunch of new inventory in stock. Here's a sample. Several of these records I would love to have. The record 1999 by Prince. The record Coconut Oil by Lizzo. Dookie by Green Day. There's a Rights of Spring record they just got in stock. Minor Threat, some Weaker Thans, so much more. So go on down to Red Brontosaurus Records, located in the North Park neighborhood of San Diego. And why don't you pick up that Lizzo record for me? I'd really like it. The address is 3044 North Park Way in San Diego, California. You can reach them by phone at 619-795-1282 or on the internet at redbrontosaurus.com. So get down there, get that Lizzo record, and drop it under my Christmas tree before it comes down right after New Year's. Red Bronosaurus Records, your headquarters for the finest music available known to man. Talk to me a little bit about the Misfits, because I have noticed you had some tattoos I going have, on there. Oh, I have yeah.
1: several Misfits tattoos. Yes, um, they're—I would say—they're my favorite band of all time. Okay, okay. When did um, you start listening to this? When did you figure uh, out? When I was a little kid. You know, I, I think one of the first punk tapes I ever got, like my, my friend dubbed, uh, I think it was the Minor Threat. Um, it was Out of Step and then Evil Live on the same tape. Oh, great. And great, yeah, okay. Evil Live being the first Misfits I ever heard, which is kind of hilarious because it's so terrible. Yeah, it's, yeah. And I, uh, it's, I, re- I remember. It's, I, it's beautifully and, terrible. Like though. I was so like new to music in general. You know, there's the, the part in the, in the the in Evil Live where somebody obviously is like, throwing something on the stage or whatever and you hear Danzig like, go, one more fucking time, you asshole, you yeah, die. Yeah, you know? Yeah. So I remember hearing that and I hear him go, one more fucking time, you asshole. And I thought he was talking to the band like one more time. And I was like, Wow, he's calling the band assholes. That's fucking I thought it was so like punk intense. Rad, yeah, yeah, exactly. Rules. I was just like, this is so nuts, man. <laughs> That's so great, but uh, yeah, and just you know, I just loved their their vibe, their their whole aesthetic. You know, it was really great. And then I got real obsessed with them. You know, like you remember in the nineties when when there was no internet. You know, nobody you couldn't find pictures of them. You didn't know anything about them, right? You know, right, not really. All you right, knew right. is right. that like they weren't around anymore, and that like they
0: hated each other. I'd heard yeah. that. You yeah, know? yeah, you rumors that, like that, you know because Zines Thrasher I mean, interview. Yeah, yeah, and then we had Zines kind of to like. That was like our internet back exactly. in the pre-internet. It was like the Zine community or whatever yeah, yeah. kept all and, you know, the information flow going for punk rock. Yeah, stuff,
1: and like so. you know, like Walk Among Us was the only album you could find at Sam Goody. Yeah, right? yeah, you yeah, yeah. But then that like was occasionally on Caroline or something, right? Yeah, it, no, Caroline. it was on, it was on Warner Brothers. It was on Ruby, which oh, was, was like licensed by Warner Brothers. That's why they still don't have the rights to it today. Like oh. that's why it never gets reissued or anything because it's. Own it's not a major owned by label them. actually yeah. owns it, right? No, no yeah. kidding, that's why it's not on the box. So, did Danzig
0: sell the rights to that? I don't
1: know how that worked exactly. I actually have a book where they explain it, but I, I can't remember. Is what it the,
0: the American Hardcore book?
1: No, no, it's a book about the Misfits called This Music Leaves Stains. <laughs> oh, I never, never heard of it. It's not very good. No, why is it very
0: technical, very filled l- with like a little bit
1: and like, like dry yeah. kind of thing? Yeah, and and a lot of it is just it's clearly this guy just like went on Wikipedia and then like wrote a book. Like, oh wow, you know what I mean? wow. It's like it's kinda broke like that. But um so yeah, I don't remember exactly why Walk Among Us isn't licensed the, the way the other ones are, but they don't have the control over it. You had that album. I had that on on cassette when I was a little kid. Sure. sure. And then, like, you would go to the punk record store, and you might see like the bootleg of Beware. I remember I've seen that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, whoa! This is another Misfits I've never seen. And like, and then you hear like all the other songs. You hear all like Static Age and all that shit. And it's like, whoa, wow! It's so much richer than. And then, then when I got into Evil Live, I'm sorry, Earth A D Wolf's Blood. Yeah. You're just like, oh, they then they got thrashy and like this. Right. Right. You know. I, it just they they ran such a gamut of different styles and everything, but still managed to all keep that same aesthetic. You know, same, I really love that, that. same mis- yeah.
0: misfits kind of. I want to say like shtick in a way it was. It was a shtick, but yeah. I mean, but they but it was also like the core of what that band was. They yeah. maintained that the whole time, totally until totally. '83 until Dancing broke yeah. the band and up then, or whatever. You know,
1: so then you know when you couldn't find anything about them, they were extra mysterious. Not even made it cooler. Yeah then they got back together with fucking Michael Graves.
0: and oh, like, dude. I, what, So what do you think about that? Well, yeah. So I
1: went and saw that first tour and was like, fuck, yeah, it's like it's Jerry and Doyle and they're playing fucking Devil Lock and shit like that. Right. Like, yes, of course, I love it. Right, right. But it's not the same. It's and the then same and issue. then yeah. where they went from there got really embarrassing. You know oh, what I mean? And like, yes. Oh, Like, oh, yes. And what's crazy to me is like, you know, I, I meet kids now that are like, have never even heard Danzig era misfits. Are you serious? They're just like, oh yeah, I like I like the Misfits when Michael Graves was singing, oh, but I hated dude. it when Jerry was singing. And like, you know, they had another singer There's before like that, right?
0: Yeah, it's, a real true like it's great insane. version yeah, of the it, Misfits. There really are kids Wait. that have no idea. I had, I did not know that. Yeah, I did it's, not know it's that. Pretty shocking. Everybody, you know, I, that I've talked to because I've been really like looking at the Misfits under like a, a like a magnifying glass lately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, almost everybody says. Oh, yeah, the Misfits were awesome. Until Danzig broke the band up. And after right. that, they sucked. They're yeah. terrible. But, no, the original Misfits, yeah. So, the original area, obviously, is, like, your favorite time. Of course, also, with of dancing, course. Yeah. course. Uh, what do you think about, like, Sam Hain, Danzig? Love it. Love, love it? it. Okay. Love everything. Well...
1: Mostly love everything that he's
0: done. You know? Gotcha the kind of he,
1: later Danzig after stuff? After Danzig Four. Well, honestly, when he kicked Yuri Vaughn and uh, Chuck yes. Biscuits and John Christ out, that's when he just he never It went re- south. He man, never, recovered never recovered from that, as yeah. far as yeah, yeah. as far Agreed. as I'm concerned, yeah. Agreed.
0: Thank okay. So we may not agree about Star Wars and Star Trek. We a hundred percent agree about the Misfits. Yes. So, <laughs> among many other things. But right. yeah. that's a thing. Now let's move on to your art and comics and stuff like that. Sure. This is kind of a weird question in a way, but has anybody how much how much how many com how many full length books do you have out? Um eight. You have eight full length yes. books? But there's a it's it's a little tricky. So the first
1: book is three years long, the second book is three years long. Then I did three books that were one year
0: each. So they're all like a year's worth of comics, right, once three, right. three, and then you get one year. Okay. And gotcha. then right. I went back to the three year format. So that's why there's
1: eight books instead of six. Six. There should only be six. But, if you're you know. doing them every three years exactly, or whatever. Exactly, exactly. Okay, and okay. once those three-year books, or those single-year books go out of print, I'm going to republish them as a single book. Oh, right. so
0: there's three one-year books? Yeah, yeah. So you just put those all together exactly, into one book? Okay, exactly, Cool. But it, it's going to be a long time before those go out of print. <laughs> gotcha. Well, now, has anybody ever said to you, like, shitty things about your books? Like, why do you bother doing this? Why do you... Oh, yeah. Oh, all like, the time. Like, give me an example of something somebody uh, said to well, you about it.
1: Like, I remember, like... Uh, when I was first starting it, you know, and it was just doing it as a zine, I remember like trying to get it consigned at copy at uh, comic book stores, and I I went into like this, your local comic yeah, book store. Yeah, I you went like, into okay. Austin Books and in Austin Austin Books and Comics, which on Fifty First and Lamar, a wonderful store. Can't say enough good things about them. But back in the day, before they knew who I was or anything, I was just some kid showing up with these Xerox comics, and I was like, Hey, do you want to put these in the store? And they're like, Well you know, let's, let's look at them for a few days. And so I came back and I'm like, what do you think? Like, yeah, there's not really much going on here. And I'm like, that's kind of the point, <laughs> but you know, they just didn't get it. And they later on they, they got it and I became good friends with them. And they're wonderful, wonderful people. Cool. cool. Um, but yeah, a lot, a lot of people just either get it or you don't, you know, sure, there's not supposed sure. to be a point
0: to it. There's no beginning, no end, no plot. Their stories are basically a lot of times. It's just about your life essentially. It's a whoa! Welcome to the mission. Very mad bumblebee going by. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, it's it's it is what it is. I, um, in the late '90s, I was in a Walden Books in the mall, and I found looking at the at the comics, you know, like the Garfield comics and the Calvin and Hobbes and shit. I said, yeah, like the big books, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I saw a book, and it was called um, "I Went to College and It Was Okay" by Jim. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And I pull it out. And it's, like, it's this comic of this guy is really shittily drawn, like, just line drawings. Um, and it's, it's stuff like, you know, today I went to work, and then I came home, and I sat and I watched TV. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I read the whole book standing there in the Walden Books, read the entire book cover to cover. Wow. And was just amazed with the idea. And it was one of those things I never, you know, I didn't think much of it, and, like, years went by. And <clears throat> when uh, I remember the first time I had a roommate that had like a computer with an internet, you know, dial up modem or whatever. And it was the first time I had a chance to just kind of fuck around on Google.
0: Sure. The sure. first
1: thing I did, I was like, what's Jim's journal about? Cause I was with the, it was called Jim's journal. Jim's Journal, Okay. And so I like looked it up and I found out it was all fictional. It was, um, it was actually made by a guy named Scott. It's actually Scott Dickers. Who's one of the founders of the onion. Strangely. Oh, enough. really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. But you know, I, and so it clicked in my head, like, why don't I do that? But do it for real. You know, like yeah, it really what you're doing, my real your life, life, what yeah. I'm really doing, yeah. like my real name, my, like, you know. And so I just started doing it. And I, I was like, I'll just, you know, do this every day. Why not? So do, do
0: you still have you do you do that pretty much every single day? I have
1: consistently done it every day for 19 years. No, really? Never
0: missed a day. Yes. Never missed a day. Yep, that's amazing. <laughs> that is. No, that's rad. <laughs> I was going to say, I love your comics because it is literally like you say they're, you know, well, there's no beginning, no ending, or anything like that, and I get—I mean, it's just—I find people's individual stories much more interesting than, say, you know, say like a, like a movie, like a Star Wars thing, or something like that. Right, right. The, mon- the mundanities of life. Are super interesting to me because it's everybody lives their life a little bit differently. I love it. I think it's beautiful. It's great. Oh, thank that you. blows me away that you've been doing it every day for nineteen years. Yes, yes. That it. is serious dedication. <laughs> thousands
1: it, and thousands of comics. strips. Is that like
0: point. therapeutic for you in a way? Yeah. Oh, think? yeah.
1: Absolutely. It's it's so helpful in all kinds of ways. Like, for example, you know, I just moved here to town and I'm uh, I'm trying to get a job. Right. And so I'm doing my resume and it's like and uh, they're like you know when did you start this job? When did you stop that job? I can just go back and look and find the exact date. Because so, you have it yeah, all in your comics. You know, I can go back to like, you know, yeah, March of 2007, of where it's like, life. today was my first day at the new job. I'm like, okay, so the March 12th, 2007, you know. Like, and <laughs> it's great. really helpful for stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, remembering people's birthdays, things yeah, like that. Yeah, we you were, know? I was
0: at so-and-so's birthday this day or exactly, whatever. Exactly, exactly. It's, how it's do really st- helpful. How do you keep them? How do you, do you have like folders and folders and folders or uh, something? I, or uh, every Digitized? Year,
1: no, no, I, I have a, uh, just a, a physical sketchbook. I buy one every year. Okay, okay. Uh, you know, I write the year on the side of it and I have. What is it, like night. a 400
0: page sketchbook or something uh, like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Pretty mm-hmm. big, just a big book, right? yeah.
1: And um, I just I keep them, you know, and every three years I'll go through and I'll scan each page of the book and then wow. like put it together digitally and send it off to the publisher.
0: No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Have, how long do you have one publisher you work with consistently and um, have throughout the years?
1: For many years, I was working with Microcosm Publishing in Portland. I had a great relationship with them. Still do. Still do. You know, maintain a relationship with them. But they uh, you know, they didn't really do comics. They were more they were like. They're more about like how to fix your bike or like you know how hmm. to start your own uh, DIY garden. Garden, you know, okay, like, gotcha. You gotcha, know, it's that okay. kind of kind of anarchist book kind of thing. Sure. Collective, sure. and they, you know, the, it's I I like what they do. It's it's really cool, but I was like you know, comics weren't really their thing. Yeah. And I feel like I was like missing out a lot on on opportunities because they didn't really deal with comics that much. For the, my newest book, Dog Days of Snake Pit, I I switched over to uh, Silver Sprocket, which is actually coincidentally here in, in San Francisco. San Francisco. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, and like when I when I made the deal with with Silver Sprocket, there was actually I had no idea I was going to move here.
0: It was, it was really that pure no coincidence. Kid, no kidding. Yeah, I that, had no. I thought it. I thought maybe. Well, you know, it all yeah, just and, kind of it, worked it, out. It did kind yeah. of fall
1: into place like that. But no, at the time, I was like, oh, I'm just switching from a Portland publisher to a San Francisco publisher. Yeah. You know, I didn't yeah. think anything of it. And
0: somebody who has much large, much more of a focus on comics. Right, than, exactly. Like they underground and specifically independent. Specifically,
1: comics and, and, and like indie comics, like, like what I do. Yeah. And yeah. already, I see a huge difference in the response I'm getting. You cool. know, like, yeah, like yeah. they're getting it in the right stores, they're getting it to the right they people. They know
0: how to work with what you're doing. Exactly. For sure. And it's, yeah,
1: you know, yeah. nothing, nothing. Against Microcosm at all. I just am very, very. It's a be- It's just a
0: better fit for you. Much happier yeah. with with the way that uh the Silver Sprocket is handling it. That yeah. makes total sense. I mean, and I will say this too: if you're in San Francisco, definitely go to Silver Sprocket and check it out because they have rad stuff. in Yes, that store. fantastic store on Hate Street. Hate Street in San Francisco. Now, and I did read like three comics in. Whole while i was there yesterday that's why we're in san francisco sorry about that i should probably put some money somewhere out there for them so but it's a rat it is a rad place so, yeah you yeah, can also I'm, go to
1: silversprocket.net to see their entire catalog
0: that's great yeah because they do have some rad rad stuff let's talk a little bit about your very brief time in san francisco living here so far mm-hmm. any expectations future plans for what i mean other than Immediate future, looking for work kind of thing. Looks like you have some good lead.
1: Um Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm very excited about living here. It's an awesome neighborhood. I really like it. Um, I'm really hoping to start playing some music again. That's you it. Know? That's
0: one of the things I was going to ask, is you are looking forward to potentially, hopefully, getting in a band and playing again. Yeah, and- yeah.
1: So the last the last band I did was a, a project called Ghost Knife. That was with uh, Mike Weeby from the Riverboat Gamblers. Oh, okay, and, okay. Uh, and Chris Pfeffer, who's uh, he's a kind of a... World class drummer throughout Austin. He's been in a dozen bands, kind but of you, a man about town. Yeah, I but he sure did play you. in J Church with us. Cool. So uh, we always kind of said that like Ghost Knife was sort of the fire hose of uh, J Church. You okay. know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah. So, um, so that and and we played our last show maybe two years ago. You know, and, and not nothing. We just kind of all kind of lost interest. Kind of interest like, the other guys had, had serious bands that they were focusing on. <laughs> I had moved out to Mainer, so it was just like difficult to get the band practice and stuff. So yeah. we just kind of stopped playing. And, you know, I I never stopped playing music. I love playing in my garage, just playing guitar at home, you know, whatever, but... Now that I'm in a city with lots of musicians, easy access to stuff, oh, I really yeah.
0: can't wait to really, you know, start a new band or join a band yeah, or something. You're, you know, like a twenty-minute bus ride away or yeah. even walking distance to exactly. a place where you can so yeah, play with people. Really and itching to start time. playing again. Yeah. Cool. I mean, are you gonna think about possibly touring again and all that kind of stuff? If, yeah, or just it, see what it, happens. If it if comes thing? to that, sure. Yeah, cool. I'm, I'm cool. open to anything.
1: Anybody listening? wants yeah. a, Anybody is a guitar, listening? guitar player, or a yes. bass player, yeah. just give me a holler.
0: Okay, let's. This is the last question then we're going to do a little word association at the very end. All right. The this is the burning the burrito question. What was your favorite burrito? Where did you have it? And what made it the best burrito you think you've ever had? I mean, in your personal experience, your opinion. Now are we talking only San
1: Francisco? Or oh, no, anywhere? no, in the entire world. Oh, anywhere oh, in the entire that world.
0: That would be San Diego. Sir. It would be San Diego. Oh, okay, yes, good, yes.
1: good, okay. You guys have the best burritos. Thank you. Okay, um,
0: thank you. Well, I, I'm not San Diego, but you know, <laughs> I do appreciate the burritos where we come yeah, from, for sure. yeah.
1: I I couldn't tell you where I, what place you know because there's so many. There's so we were kind of trying to sort through that yeah, earlier a little but bit. I, yeah, I, I yeah. Do, I you and you were more or less. But. I do love the surf and turf burrito. Surf and turf, okay, yeah, okay.
0: Which is usually shrimp, carne asada. What else like guacamole and salsa fresca? Or something yeah, yeah, like that. and maybe some French fries and so French there. fries for good measure. Love okay, it. yeah, okay, cool. Okay, so not no specific place that you can remember, but San Diego surf and turf. Absolutely excellent. Okay, moving on. Our All last right. little operation of the. Uh, the Ben Snake Pit special edition podcast is all right word association okay I don't want you to see the answer okay here, all right. there is a right and wrong answer to this word association okay and that's not supposed to be how it works but I changed the rules all right, said, all right okay here we go star Trek. fall <laughs> <laughs> wrong it's worse um, you knew I was gonna say that though. Um, Miss Fitz okay ding 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 he won that one okay uh, Aaron comet bus. Oh, that was a good answer, but wrong. Uh, Aaron Brothers. Uh, Aaron Brothers, Art Marks, right. uh, No Lockers. <laughs> why did I even ask this? I'm looking at my shit going, why did I write this? Golden. Retriever. <laughs> Grams.
1: Man, I must have been fucking drunk when I wrote this shit. Okay, Captain.
0: Uh, America. <laughs> That was a pretty good answer. Wrong. Uh, Captain Planet. Uh, I don't know. I was trying to throw you because I thought you were uh, going to say Captain Kirk. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Mr. Rogers. Oh, Mr. Spock. Come on, Ben. (laughs) You know, you're losing (laughs) your back. Um, Starship. Enterprise. Uh, eh. Starship Earth. The Ah. experience at Disney's Epcot Center in Florida. Okay. That was also a trick question. (laughs) Um, How about this? uh, Bird of? Prey. Oh, see, I knew he was going to say that. Uh, Bird of Paradise. I, that was a trick one, oh, too. I was damn trying to it. get you. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. San Francisco. Oh, perfect. Okay. Ding, ding, ding. Silver. Okay. Surfer. Great, Ant. Thank you. Okay. And Fantastic. Four. No, wrong. Fantastic interview, Ben Pit. Oh. Thank you for playing today. Thank oh, you, we you, Bob. Appreciate it. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you so much to Ben Snakepit for the talk that we had. It was really good. I had a great time talking to Ben. He's a very interesting person, very interesting dude, very nice dude, I would say. So as promised, let me read you, before we conclude here, let me read you the lyrics to the song by Shanghai River called The Rules. If you ever wanted to know how your punk rock lifestyle should be managed, you know, how you should do things, here are The Rules. If you bought it at Walmart, that's not punk. If you hired a lawyer, that's not punk. If you had to sign a contract, that's not punk. A one sheet with your contact, that's not punk. If you recorded it with Pro Tools, that's not punk. If you download it from iTunes, that's not punk. Sorry, I can't help it. It's too funny. If it's in a glossy magazine, that's not punk. If you don't make your own gasoline, that's not punk. These are the rules I made for the punks. Do they piss you off? I kind of hope they do, because it's not punk to follow any rules. (laughs) Oh, Ben, those are some of the best lyrics I've ever read in my life. Very good. So thanks again, Ben. Also, thank you to Plan 9 Alehouse for the beer of this episode, and every episode, really, and to Red Brontosaurus Records for being the best damn record shop in San Diego. That'll do it for this one, episode 31 of the Bobcast I hope you have a happy and safe new year. Don't do anything I would do because I am kind of an idiot. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Bobcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Final song of the Bobcast, here's Ghost Knife with the song, I Know, I Know, featuring Mr. Ben Snakepit on the bass. Enjoy it. Thank you very much. Have a good night.